Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. I asked the question when we first started this. I remember the thought process and everything. It's like, what are you living, what are you living for? You know, one day it's going to come and we're all going to stand before God. And he's going to say the words to us or we the hope and the desire is, Well done, thou good and faithful servants. Well done. Meaning that you did the work. You did it the way that I've called you to do. And we know that this world isn't everything. If you think this is everything, man, I'm telling you, you're going to be highly disappointed. This, the Bible even says to describe this life. He said, this life is nothing but a vapor. It appeareth for a little time, then it vanishes away. And those people that live as if they're going to build a fortress and a life, and this is everything, I'm here to tell you that this is not everything. We're, we're pilgrims passing through. This life is short. The Bible says it's like a shadow that passes by or a vapor that passes by. All these things that we say, man, I want this and I want that. And the Bible says that God came back and said, lay not for yourself treasures upon this earth where it rots and fades away, but lay up your treasures in heaven because that's the only thing that will last. And I thought, man, why do so many people walk through life so empty? I, uh, if you go to my office... It's a natural thing, and maybe you don't have this problem. I have this problem. In my office, I have uh, somebody who come in and give me a piece of paper, and I thought, well, I'll, I need to file that and read that or sort that or fix that or respond to that, and so I put it on my desk. And then somebody comes back in there with a book and said, man, we need a chance. I'd love you to go through that. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, so I put it on my desk. And then I have this DVD, CD series that I have, and I put it on my desk. And Richard, I was going through something. He said, man, I found this study, and I put it on my desk. And then Jean comes in with my mail, and she'll put it on there, and I'll put it on my desk. And then I have books that I intend to read, and I put them on my desk. You guys know what my desk looks like? I've got coffee mugs and speakers and keyboards and two, two monitors and all this other stuff. And I mean, it's just, God, I, so a lot of you don't have this problem, but I have a hard time staying focused. I'll walk in there and I'll sit down and I'll be like, oh, I've got to respond to that. And then I'm like, oh, I forgot to do that. And the phone will ring and I'll answer that. And then my phone will, you know, make that chirp and I'll look at that. And before long, all I'm doing is a lot of nothing. You guys don't have that problem. You guys are so focused. But, you know, for me, I'm, I'm like, man, where do I start? What, what, what do I need to do? What do I need to accomplish? Well, I, I remember a while back we were replacing the carpet up in the offices and they came out and they said, in order to replace your carpet in here, Tony, we've got to take all of your desk and all those things out there. Well, in order to move the desk, I had to clean off my desk. So they went in there and, and they, until I, I got my, all my stuff put back in there, we just put a folding table in there and a chair. And, and that's what I was going to operate on. So I, I cleaned everything off, and I went back in there to sit down to an empty table to do my work. And I thought, man, I'm not used to this. So I went back out to my boxes, and I thought, if I'm going to get my job done and do what I need to do today, I pulled one thing out and put it down and thought, that's my focus. Do you guys realize that in our lives, in the culture, and the day and age in which we live, is so extremely chaotic. Extremely chaotic. Hey, we, we put such high expectations on ourselves that I promise you, you could work from sunup to sundown and go to bed feeling like a failure. 
Because we've got this, that I've got to do this, and I, oh, I didn't respond to them on Facebook, and I forgot to tweet this out, and I forgot to do this, and I wanted to make this, and I got this new recipe, and I promised so-and-so I'd hook up with them, and uh, all these different things. I walk into my house, and I have all these projects every single day. After working all day, I come home and say, oh, I still need to get that done. Oh, man, i got to get that done. I walk through the door, and I say, honey, I promise I'm going to get around to this. And that's our lives. And it's convicting. Because at the end of the day, I'm realizing that a lot of the things that I make a priority are not necessarily a priority to God. And you're going to step back and say, well, Pastor Tony, they have to be done. You're right. I get that. There is life. Guys, I'm not so out of touch with reality that I'm going to say, you know, take up your cross, follow God, and forget your bills. And, you know, some of you would like to hear me say that, so you justification. Throw them in the trash and, you know, let God sort it out. But that, that's not at all what I'm saying. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 explains us. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. You say, what are you talking about? My life, the things that we consume about, honey, we got to do, and this has got to be taken care of. The things that we dwell on for what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. I mean, those are the things that we get up every day and we're thinking about, well, I got to get my clothes and I need new clothes and we've got to eat and I got to go grocery shopping. And man, are we going to have the money for these things? Those are the things that we say, I cannot live without. Is not the life more than meat and body raiment? That's what Jesus said. He says, is there not more to life than these things? Now, if we were to put on that list of priorities, you know what would be on that list of priorities? It'd be our cell phones, because I promise you, you make it, you make it a mile from your house and realize that you left your cell phone, you will be going back. I don't care how late you are from work. There, there's certain aspects of our life that we're like, I cannot live without this. I need this. He said in verse 30, Wherefore, if God clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, saying it's here today and gone tomorrow, how much more can he clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith all shall we clothe? God said, those are not the, the, the things that should be on the forefront of your mind. That is not your priority. And man, we've, man, I've got to live. I've got to do. I've got to provide. I've got to take care of. And God says, I know that. I know that. And you're going to say, Pastor Tony, are you telling me to throw everything out and not worry about those things? No, this is what God said. He said, verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto thee. You know, when we quote this verse, we don't normally fill in the verse of saying what all these things are that should be added unto you. I read the verses before. You know what he was saying that I'll do? He said, he said, Tony, I'll put clothes on your back. I'll put food on your plate. I'll take care of you. But he said, what I need you to do, Tony, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm telling you guys, I'm trying to help you to, for all of us to get refocused he said, what I need you to do is seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know what the kingdom of God? It's not of this world. And when God says, lay not treasures upon this world, he said, put your focus, seek first, desire first the things that will last forever. Which literally means that the priority above food and raiment, above daily provision and all those things, which sounds radical, God says, you put my business first of souls 
You think of those that are going to go to hell. You think of those that are lost without me. You think of those that are lost in the darkness. He said, put that on the forefront of your mind. Seek that first, Fellowship Baptist Church. And he said, oh, and you come back and say, but I need all these things. And he said, oh, yeah, and all those things will be added unto you. God said, I, I make the grass grow. Man, it can all die during the winter, and I, I, I snap my fingers, and it all comes back in the spring. That's the God that we serve. We sit there and say, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. How can we not trust the creator that created everything that we have? Oh, ye of little faith is what it said. Jesus was constantly preaching and teaching this to the disciples. Can I prove this to you? I, I thought of this. I, I got this thought last night as I was going to bed. So he calls the disciples and constantly keeping them heavenly minded or to focus not on the things of this world, but the heavenly things. And God gave me a verse that says that, and I never thought of this before. When he called the disciples, he went up to them, and they were fishermen. And he gave them an analogy or an illustration. He said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. You, you think about the comparison of what Jesus was saying. You know what he was teaching them right there? He was take, teaching them greater things. I said, well, you're going to have to explain that. Well, think about it. God said, hey, you know those fish that you have in that net? That's temporary. Those fish are going to die. That fish won't last forever. But he said, let me tell you, I'm going to teach you how to reach souls that will last forever when they enter the kingdom of God. I'll teach you to be seekers of lost souls rather than everyday things. It's the same thing we just read in here about food and raiment versus the heavenly things of God. And the promises that God gives us. You realize it's Matthew 6, 19 in the same passage. He says, he says it again. Lay not for yourselves treasures upon this earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Priorities and promises. All through the Bible, I'm bringing you church to realize that God taught them priorities and promises Here's the priority as heaven. Here's the priority as souls. Here's the priority, the gospel. I imagine this. I was reading through and I got to later Matthew. And I'm going to take you through because I, I want to show you this progression. There's a danger. I'm going to tell you a danger. A danger to us is when we hear this so much that we lose the importance of it. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'll prove it to you. How many have been in church more than 15 years? Raise your hand right now. It's most of you. I'm going to tell you guys, everything that I preach on Sunday, I've heard it at some point already, multiple times. You hear it, and you hear it, and you hear it, and we become dull to it. It becomes just almost where we tune people out because I've heard it so many times. But Jesus was nearing the cross. And I can imagine him looking at the disciples and thinking, man, I don't know if they fully get this. Imagine it like this, Jesus walking along and he had it on his heart and mind filled with the purpose of why he is here. I, I, I know that because when he fell in the garden, he said, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Let me go to the cross. Let me do it. This is why I'm here. As he's passing these people, maybe the disciples were just looking around, not focused. It's like, hey, Lord, when we get to the city, what are we going to eat? We've got passages that do that. And Jesus was like, we just passed another soul. We just passed another soul. Guys, we just passed another soul. These are people that need me. These are people that are going to go to hell. 
He didn't say, what, what is the point? He was trying to get them to have the mind of Christ with eternity in mind like we just read. So I'm going to have you turn to Matthew 16, 24, and we'll park here. And he said, and then said Jesus unto the disciples. Notice it was to the ones that have heard it over and over again. I almost went through for the sake of time I didn't do it. That this is not the first time he brought this up. He brings this mindset of following Christ over and over again. And he said unto the disciples, if any man will come after me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, if you know me, you know that I have spoke on this verse before, but I've got to take it to you from a different perspective. This was a lot different than the last time that he was telling the disciples to follow him. He said, come up to the disciples and he said, hey, guys, I want you to drop your nets and follow me. Oh, okay. And, you know, they it's like, hey, hey, let's go see what this is all about. Christ wanted them to have the passion of God of realizing the importance of what he was doing. But I want you guys to see here as this. He says, if any man will come after me. Let me walk you through this. Number one, there's a decision to be made. There's a decision to be made. And I I don't think I've ever pulled this out. Notice how it says at the beginning, if. If. It it is a, a choice. Guys, you realize that life is filled with choices. Every Sunday you come to church to experience choices. You know why we said this is six decisions? Because we've got to get into our mind that God brings us to a crossroad and says, what are you going to do? Because we don't just float through life. It's not just randomly going to happen. If things are going to be built, it's because we decide to do it. If people are going to be reached, it's because we decided to do it. If, if you want to make good grades, and I know we have a lot of students and people in college and stuff like this. Here, here's the thing. If you want good grades, then you have to study. That's it. If you want a pure mind... You have to deny some things in your life that bring you pleasure. If you want to save money, then you have to make a decision to put some things aside that you normally spend money on. If you want to get in shape, you're going to have to turn down the Oreos and get on the treadmill. Yeah, I know, I went there. Bunch of Baptists, I went there. But the thing is, everything that God does, he didn't sit there and say, you're going to do this. God said, I tell you what, I've got greater things for you. And those greater things have rewards beyond what you could imagine. And they're not temporary. They're not just for here and now. They're not just fish and food. But it's forever. And he said, I'm going to bring every Christian that has followed me for all these years. I'm going to bring Peter, James, and John, and Tony, Dave, and Richard, and all of us. And says, I'm going to bring you to a point where you're going to decide whether you're going to do it or not. There's a decision to be made. He said, if you're going to follow after me, if you're going to do this, you've got to choose. We we gave you a decision. We passed out a devotion book at the beginning. It says, how many of you say you want to experience greater things in your life? You've got to decide whether you're going to do that devotion or not. God's not going to come down from heaven and make you. God says, do you want to know me more? Then you have to do this. You have to decide if you're going to go to church or not. Who would have thought that there would come a day and age that we have to tell Christians the importance of going to church? But I tell you, every day you make a choice to either sleep in or get up. You make a choice either to turn on the TV or go to church. There is a decision to make in order to experience greater things. But it's not just going to happen. He said, if any man's going to come after me, then you're going to have to make a choice. But this is the part that I, I thought was so interesting 
not only is there a choice to be made, there's resistance to confront. You can sit there and say, okay, Lord, I'm coming after you. More than I, Lord, I want this more than anything. Lord, I want greater things, and I, I want to experience the power of God. Lord, I want it. Jesus said, well, if any man come after me, here's the choice. Let him deny himself. Jesus was saying, well, your flesh is not going to want what it takes to do this. Guys, we, we can blame the devil all day long, but Jesus said when it comes to experience greater things or following God, the number one enemy we face is ourselves. It's ourselves. You say, well, I didn't read my Bible last night. The devil really got on me. No, channel six really got on you. And say, man, I was going to do better this week and die. And man, the devil got on me. No, it was a pack of Oreos. I promise you. He didn't, God didn't come up or the devil didn't say, eat that third one. Eat that fourth one. You know, it's our flesh. Our flesh hinders us from experiencing great things. And the reason that God wrote this is because he knows us. You know what he was saying? He said, you're going to follow me and I've got great things for you. But he said, I'm going to tell you now, you're going you're to talk yourself out of a lot of things. And you're going to come up with a lot of excuses why you shouldn't do this. Lord, oh, I don't like that, or I don't like going there, I don't like doing this, I really want to sleep in, or I really, 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 I, I, I. It's the generation that we live in. Jesus warned them of this to begin with because he said, you guys are made of flesh, and your flesh is going to hold you back from doing this. But then we got to remember, one of my favorite verses, for me to live is Christ. Would you say that yourself? Say, Tony... Man, for me to live is not Tony. It's Jesus. I tell you, that's easier said than done. For me to live is not Tony. But I'll tell you, every time, even with the Greater Things Project, uh, man, I started thinking about giving to this and that, and I'm thinking, well, I, you know what? I, I got an, have you ever got an unexpected letter at a horrible time? I got a letter uh, uh, dealing with tax things that I thought was a mistake. I, I, I told you, I even blew it off. I said, I said, babe, it's a mistake. I said, don't worry about it, it's a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. <laughs> oh, it was a mistake. It was my mistake. It wasn't their mistake. And, and you know, that happened the same week that all this was coming together. And you just say, man, wh- wh- why? It's just it's the world that we live in. Because my flesh is going to say, see, there's your reason not to do it. That's why you shouldn't. Man, and our flesh beats us up. He said, if any man's going to, Come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. He said, not only do I want you to deny your flesh, but he said, I want you to put your focus on me. Guys, we don't do anything that we do for us. We put our eyes on the one that can provide. We put our eyes on the one that's never let us down. He's never let us astray. He's never let us go hungry. He's never done any of those things. God said, hey, 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 guys, put your eyes on me. He didn't sit there, well, that pastor told me, don't put your eyes on me. Don't put your eyes on, on the staff. I, I hope you didn't get to this point by putting your eyes on Pastor Mrs. Denhoff. Put your eyes on God. He'll never let you down. Amen. Never let you down. But we lose this. It's so easy to get our focus off. Jesus wanted them to focus on the things that mattered most. Jesus said, deny yourself. Follow me. Guys, put your eyes on me. Learn of me. Let me show you what's out there, what I'll do. There's a choice to be made. There is resistance to confront. But there's also a commitment to be made. What he says in the middle of all this does not make sense. You know why it makes so sense to us? 
because we know about the cross. But at this point, they'd not yet carried, they'd not, Jesus had not yet encountered the cross. So when we sit there and say, well, Jesus wasn't saying to carry his cross. He was telling them to carry their own cross and all this other thing. And that sounds good. And I mean, it does make sense in, in respect of the whole mission of what's going on. But here's the thing. Jesus had not yet died on the cross. And he says, if any man's going to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. I was like, Whoa. Oh, Lord, what? See, the cross was not only what they hung people on, but a cross never even made it to the place where they were going to hang people unless the person being hung was going to carry it. They would make them embrace it, pick it up on their shoulders, and carry it all the way. Everybody around them had to see this public display of them encountering and carrying the cross. Everyone around them knew what they were about. They knew that they were a thief because they carried the cross. They knew that it was the end. They knew where they were going when they saw the cross. It was a sign that they were coming to an end. It was a sign of the close. And we know the whole symbolism of the cross and how powerful that is. But Jesus was bringing them to the point of making a decision. Jesus was saying, I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to obey the Father. I'm going to carry it to the top and I'm going to die for their sins. And I promise you, our God never quit. Jesus was committed to the Father. He was committed to the mission. He was committed to us. Where would we be if Jesus picked it up and halfway through said, I'm not doing this. This is hard. Or if Jesus encountered the cross and he turned and said, you know what? Let somebody else do it, Lord. But he didn't. That cross was a symbol of commitment to the Father. It was a dedication to something. Because I am brokenhearted that this generation, like I said in the video, has lost the concept of commitment. We get married and we take it as far as we can until things get rough and then we get out. We get a job and we take it as long as we end and until somebody hurts our feelings and we get out. When times and situations get rough, we bail out and it is hurting this generation. I'm going to tell you what happens. We commit to what we love and believe in. That's, that's just the truth. You know, you know how I can prove that? Just show up on a car lot, not intending to buy a car. And that guy walks around and he says, let me tell you about this car. It has so many airbags in there. Hey, man, have you felt these seats? And you, let me turn on the heated seats and let me do this. And the air, man, this is the coldest air in town. And all of a sudden, you're walking out of there with a five-year commitment when you never even intended to do anything. Our culture will sit there and have a phone and all of a sudden the new phone doesn't have the, 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 it has a wireless feature and has this and takes better pictures and you can take pictures underwater and what, all these crazy things and it's like, I cannot live without that. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they turn around and say, yeah, yeah well, we'll sign you up today and we'll give you promotional pricing, but uh, we need your two-year commitment for that. Well, then sign me up. Is there even a question? Honey, it takes pictures underwater. They call up and want, you know, the cable bill, and they say, listen, I'll tell you what, we're going to throw in the NFL package today. You'll get the Sunday, Sunday ticket, but we're going to ask for a 12-month commitment. You don't mind, and I don't mind committing to things that I love and believe in. Actually, I'll take it further than that. I'll sacrifice for the things that I love and believe in. And can I tell you, that's the reason why Jesus took up the cross? Because he didn't mind committing to that which he loved and believed in. And he said, I'll tell you what, guys. 
You wear flesh. When you encounter that cross of commitment, when you encounter that thing and you have to pick it up and say, I'll do it. I will do it. See, Jesus was doing it not just for the sake of commitment, the the relationship that he had with the Father, because he knew that was going to come of it. He looked forward in time and knew that I'd be saved and my kids would be saved and my wife would be saved. God knew that he said, I'm going to endure and accept the commitment because what's going to come of it? But when we sit there and we push off commitment, we are saying to God, let somebody else do it. I I don't want to be tied to that. I don't want to have to do that. But commitment is saying, Lord, I am yours. I will do it. Lord, when we stand on the stage and we commit uh, uh, to that, that, that spouse at that altar, and we're, we're saying that I'm going to get married, and we say, till death do us part, meaning that you can count on me till the end. And God's looking down at us saying, man, I'm looking for somebody that says I can, you can count on me till the end. When we can't even commit to doing six weeks of devotions, we can't even commit to, to, to joining a church in these things. It's like, I don't want my hands tied to anything. You know what we've done? We've said, God, let somebody else do it. But our God was committed. And then I read this verse. And how convicting is this? In Matthew 10, 38, and he he that taketh not his cross, he that looks at commitment and goes, Lord, I'm I'm not doing that, and follow after me is not worthy of me. You know what God was saying? God was saying, I require self-sacrifice. I require, you're going to say that you're Christ-like? I require discipline. You require to deny your flesh, to deny your own plans, to deny your own future for the sake of others. Meaning this, that there are a lot of Christians that are not accomplishing the things of God because we've gotten our priorities way off. I want to close with this in Mark 834, it's the same verse in another gospel. And he called the people, and, and when he had called the people unto his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now listen to verse 35. It goes against everything that we understand. He said, For whosoever, for if Tony will save his life, he's actually going to lose it. But if Tony will lose his life for my sake and the Gospels, when Tony invests and gives and loves and does for the sake of the Gospel, let me say, he actually is saving it. It goes against our our mindset. And God says, when you give up, you actually gain. And when you try to keep it, you lose. And that's where we're at. And I know that I'm bringing our church to a point of commitment. Maybe I'm challenging you in your own personal life when you sit there and say, I was planning on getting out of my marriage or I, I, God has brought me to the point of a decision about my salvation and God's saying, please call out to me, accept me and you've pushed it off. God brings you to a point of a choice in your life. God said, you're either going to call out to me or you're not. When God does that, it's because he's got a plan and a purpose for us. God says, I cannot use those that are not willing to trust and obey and follow me and step out. I believe in the mission of reaching souls and making disciples. And I want my life to count. I'm telling you, church, from my heart to yours, I truly desire greater things.